Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, I know that um, we're kind of closing things up for this season. Um, what's, what's today's topic? Well, you know, we plan to start on soft skills and social emotional learning, but we kind of got a plea for a question that I feel like we should maybe answer in the online and the face-to-face -face world to kind of end season one and transition us into season two. So the question is, and it's a good question, um, is how do we um, take the greatest advantage of the beautiful skills um, from those service professionals who can push into a co-taught class such as speech, second language teachers, OTPTs, and what would that look like and be most effective? And so, you know, I, I immediately got that question. I thought, all right, well, I'm gonna start really, really simple and just say that, you know what, if we all could coalesce, whether it's face-to-face -face or online, around what we want a kid to learn at the end of the lesson, I think we all could do a better job of using everybody in the environment, no matter where it is, when it is, including parents, even the student. But you know, if the what is to, to write a complete sentence or the what is to uh, understand mitosis or if the what is to uh, share the conflicts of the revolutionary where I don't care what it is, but I think if we could get the general ed teacher to lead the what, then I think we can use lots of tools to put people around and swirl around that big idea. But I think it's when we act in isolation, whether it's face-to-face -face or in an online world, without a clear, what I like to call the bullseye, I think it doesn't matter who we have in the space. I think we all can be do making it more confusing instead of more synergistic. So that's kind of my very beginning, simple place to start. Well, I, I, agree, I agree with that, that big picture view. So let's think about some practical things that um, parents, teachers, anyone can do. And I'll... I will start in, in the online environment since we're kind of segueing away from that, but even the right now of it, um, a couple of thoughts. One is, you know, we've been doing, um, as you know, some live streaming of different, different types of lessons and they've been very intentionally inclusive. And an example of something that uh, somebody took kind of an OT mindset, but shared it with the broad audience was to create this tabletop tennis game where kids created out of cardboard their own little uh, ping pong-ish racket and um, the instructor showed them how to make a, a, a you know blow up a little balloon and how you could use this for ping pong so so you could if you were teaching um, a language arts lesson and you were collaborating with somebody who was perhaps an OT because you knew you had kids with physical needs you could do that pre-planning just to say hey I want to weave in a little movement device because you've got you know Horatio in your class and he's working on these skills and so maybe we would come up with um, students reading you know instructions following written instructions to create something so they're doing some reading um, but then this student who needs to really work on his OT is creating something that literally you know he can practice those those types of skills so it's fun for everybody but one student specifically needs that type of work uh, because of his IEP and his needs. Well, and I like that, that example that it, that it wouldn't be bad for everybody to be exposed to some of the great tools OTs, PTs, speech um, provide. And, I, and that's where I think we have to go is we have to do better of recognizing ratios, the kid that's getting the need met, but it's not going to hurt everybody to have that great skill that that, that 
professional provides. And I do think that's what we have to remember. It's not that one professional is more of a professional than another. Uh, the general ed teacher and the PT are equal professionals. So how do we make sure we use equal balance of their, of their expertise? I always go back to, you know, if they are in a co-taught situation, in a face-to-face -face world, I'm a real big believer in that alternative teach. I just think we underutilize that where we do some pre-teach or reteach. But again, I think if we don't do that aligned to the what, we're just doing it in a vacuum. So if I make table, uh, balloon, cardboard, uh, tennis ping pong, that's great. But if it doesn't have anything to do with sequential order of the language arts class, I'm missing an opportunity. Vice versa, if the general ed teacher doesn't know what just happened in that PE, PT session, we're missing that opportunity. So I love that. And then I think if, if on an online environment, but even in a face-to-face, -face, if there's a, sec a separate time I'm going to be in your room, Bucky, I, and I'm a specialist, I want to do something special for that student that maybe they stay at my station a couple of times, but other students can rotate in and out. So again, I think it's really aligning that service, whether it be online or face-to-face, -face, by using that expertise, but not assuming only one, it's a benefit to one, it could be a benefit to many. I've seen so many um, speech therapists use that model, um, almost a station teach model and the kids rotate. Um, the thing that, the great thing about that is all of us learn from that speech teacher when she's in my room doing a mini lesson at the station. All of the kids are learning some great uh, tools that really are tied to language arts standards if, if she's planned that way. And the other great thing about that is they're also hearing how this professional talks to the student with a speech language need so that everybody can support that student even when the speech, speech language teacher is not there. And that's what I've seen happen really often specifically with speech language. Yeah, I'm gonna go really low tech, no tech, and old school. And I do think one of the greatest things that any professional can provide in co-presence might actually be more in that facilitative role where they're looking at my lesson plans, they're pre-recording a mini lesson. Here's a great way to make sure you're holding your pencil. Parents and teachers and students triple check. Do you have a good pencil grip? Here's a great large muscle movement. Let's all do that. So I think oftentimes adding those layers, which we know goes back to our earlier podcast on universal design for learning, but I think adding those really simple layers to the lesson plan. And again, though, it goes back to access. Uh, I think sometimes we know people who think the online world means you just show up and fly at the seat of your pants. Really good teaching period has some kind of targeted plan. If we all know that target, then adding those layers. So if there's five service providers in a kid's life, all five of them being in an online environment at the same time with the kid isn't going to be helpful. Uh, but if we go back to that early intervention model where one person is doing, but all are observing and coaching, you know, wow, Lisa, that was great to see that large physical movement, but now I'd like to see a fine motor movement. Or, oh, I love that you got movement, but now let's see if they can tell you what that movement was. Ball. Oh, can they say the word ball? So now we have this more of arena type of assessment, arena type of co-teaching, so that the general ed teacher isn't saying, seriously, I need to plan for five adults to be in my room at the same time. I think families are feeling that way too. Absolutely. And you mentioned you were going low tech. I'll go a little higher tech to kind of summarize my thoughts. And that idea of, of little video recorded uh, mini lessons that any teacher could use that our specialists record, or even popping in to if people are having real time 
discussions with kids and doing a little mini lesson there. If, if you Google, you know, occupational therapy apps, for example, if a gen ed teacher were to look at those or occupational therapists, you would find so many. There's, I'm looking at a website called OT Cafe that just has links to different types of apps. So once people start looking at things together, they can understand how they can apply across settings and across students. But if the, if the occupational therapist took the lead and identified a few great tools, did a little mini lesson in, in a class, then all students might want to use those tools and some kids, again, need them. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like kind of my last thought goes back to tech, but again, it doesn't have to be a paid version. I know several districts are using something called Goalbook where families and PTOT speech can see each other. But even if it's a Google Doc, even if, it, again, it goes back to that consistency, if there's somewhere we can share that's simple and easy, maybe it's a texting each other once a week, here's the theme for this week online, uh, it's gonna be animals in their natural habitat. That at least gives us all a place to start, and I think it provides what we need more than any time now online is synergy. But honestly, what we need anymore ever is in a brick and mortar is synergy. It's that synergistic piece of that, whether it's station teaching, alternative teaching, team teaching. I don't think it matters which type. It matters that we all are kind of have synergy in what we're doing. It, it really does revolve around thinking not so specifically about the language of co-teach, but at, at its core, it's just collaboration. I bring my best, you bring your best, and together the kids are getting twice as much. Yeah, you know, and I think bringing our best, uh, let's, let's transition a little bit into maybe giving some uh, preview of what we think season two will be. So I think our plan is to do this for about the next six weeks, and then we might take a little summer break ourselves, is kind of in our discussion. So we're going to talk about social skills. I think that alone is hilarious, coming from two very different people who have the same core values. So you got any thoughts about how we're going to kick this off and what might be some things we're looking for people to ask about? Well, I... I you know, I'm always interested in, in, in behavior and behavior doesn't, doesn't have to, I don't, I'm, I don't mean that from a behavioral perspective. I mean, literally, you know, what behaviors are kids exhibiting, even if it's just being on task, off task, et cetera. Um, so I do think, you know, I, I really want to continue some discussions about different types of behavior that, that people might have questions about. But I also think some of those things like, um, dialogue, uh, teaching kids to have conversations, um, helping, helping to understand the needs of, of kids who are really feeling isolated right now. Um, how, how We mentioned self-advocacy this round, but I think areas in, in advocacy still to explore. Transition skills. You know, I think there's a, a lot that we can think about under this category because we're often thinking just of those academic skills uh, and I think that continuing to look at the bigger picture is the real opportunity here. Yeah, and I, you know, I think, I hope people will pose questions, but I know one that you and I both at our heart, we really want to bring up is this whole issue of sexuality and people with disabilities and the safety of their, you know, I think we're looking for a guest speaker we're hoping to have there because I think that's one, you know, protecting body and mind of people with disabilities is extremely important because it's a, such a vulnerable uh, population. And I think going along with that is, is, is money. I think we're in a financial world where there's a scam popping up by the second. Uh, and I think helping understand not just cybersecurity, but really how do you, 
how do you set up finances and what does that look like for that person to the level of independence they have, whether it's they're going to live in a group home, they're going to live with their family forever, or if they're going to leave your house and, and be on their own. Either way, there's worries both of their body and their mind and their economic value. So we see this being wide open. We hope you'll um, pose lots of questions for us. Any last thoughts as we end um, season one and transition to season two, Becky? No, just, uh, well, I say no, and then I start talking. Yes, Lisa. <laughs> my, my overall thought is, first, I appreciate people taking a moment to, to listen in. And I, I think that this is an opportunity for all of us right now in this really unusual time to rethink our profession and to rethink what we bring and what we can bring and what we should bring to the profession because there's a lot of changes ahead. So those of us who have been for whatever reason, feeling like we haven't had our foothold because things change so often, especially in the field of special education, it does feel like it always changes. I think this is a chance to really redefine ourselves as true experts and spend some time over these last few weeks of the traditional school year and into the summer thinking about what, what do we want our, the future to look, to look like for special ed. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's what I really like about this season too, is to me, summer's a great time to say, what is missing? We're not going to be hitting about academics, but what are you missing in your curriculum about, you know, mind, body, and spirit to really make sure we're thinking about people with disabilities having the future they want, not the ones we want for them. And I think that's value. And then I think we have to acknowledge we're both pretty excited that a thousand people have downloaded our podcast now. Uh, we're on iTunes, iHeart, which means more than our own mothers have listened to it at this point in time. Because <laughs> I wasn't quite sure if anybody would listen. But we do encourage you to share this as it's helpful. And uh, we really appreciate you being with us. Please do Twitter us questions. Um, um, or tweet us questions, whichever you would like. <laughs> Becky and I have this discussion all the time. Twittering is my favorite word, and I know it's not a word, uh, but do tweet us some questions and <laughs> have practical access. Thank you, and we look forward to having you listen to season two.